Do you want to connect with the gifts of your soul and embark on a spiritual path that has meaning for you? Become your own mystical muse with the help of Elena Chapman in this illuminating podcast. Listen in on thought-provoking conversations that will help you discover meaning and fulfillment in this chaotic and harsh world by blending modern scientific understanding with the teachings of ancient sages and spiritual masters. Conversations that will help you find your special gifts and gain insight into the spiritual world's countless advantages are coming your way. And they promise to be enjoyable, open, and free of judgment. Let's start this enlightening journey with your host, Elena. Neil Donald Walsh is the author of 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life. His titles include Nine Entries in the Conversations with God series, seven of which made the New York Times bestsellers list, and book one remained on that list for 134 weeks. That's incredible. His works have been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. And with that, I'd like to bring on Neil Donald Walsh. Hello, and how are you today? I'm wonderful, and thank you for those kind words and for the opportunity to share these moments with you. How may I serve you? (laughs) Well, I think you have served all of us by your new book. And I would like to talk a lot about, first of all, the events that led to you writing so many incredible books, this conversation you have with God, this um, wonderful communication that you have tried to share with us in so many ways. And I've noticed you have a phrase that you say a lot, and I would like to discuss it. You say nothing comes into our lives unless you draw it to you in some way. And even this show, how did people draw this into their lives? How do they draw things into their lives? I think through uh, an emotional, energetic called desire. For instance, if we desire to have certain questions we might not even be totally clear about all the questions. I mean, exactly what they are, but we know there's stuff we don't quite understand fully about life, about who we are, about the larger um, conversations, the, the larger you know aspects of life that some people call God, Allah, Brahman, Jehovah, whatever word we want to use. Right. But, you know, we, we're walking around with questions in our mind about all of this. What is the point of life anyway? What am I doing here? And what happens after this particular experience is over? You know, all those kinds of questions. So I think that um, desire is how it comes to pass that we have those questions in our mind asked and sometimes answered in a variety of ways. You know, I want to to share with you if I can. My experience has been, uh, Elena, that that all people are having a conversation with God all the time. They're simply calling it something else women's intuition, or, you know, an epiphany, or a sudden insight, you know. Uh, So, you know, but, you know, we're all having the same experience, but not everyone calls it a conversation with God, because they don't, we don't want to be marginalized, or, you know, ridiculed, or, well, he thinks he's talking to God. So (laughs) we find find another way to, to describe the experience of having an awareness suddenly come over us, or a message suddenly being delivered to us. And those messages come in so many different ways. Including a program just like this. Including a program just like this. And experiences that just pop into our lives. You know, I think uh, we don't, we don't understand even lessons. Sometimes we will ask, but what do you think about the level of, um, say, say people, everybody's into manifestation. In fact, everybody's been in manifestation since, I've even learned about spirituality. It is always the first thing they want to do. They want to learn how to manifest. And sometimes when we want to manifest a goal, I think we say we want that goal. 
but we get all these learning experiences. And I have my own theory about it. In those learning experiences, I think, and you, I wanna hear your opinion on this too. I'll give you mine and then you can give me yours. But I think that you have to become what it is you want so badly. You, if, if you want to be, I don't know, a New York Times bestseller, you have to become the writer that would be a New York Times bestseller. You have to go through the lessons that will grow you into that. There is a universal law of the becoming and that's what it is. I think so even the experiences indirectly, we draw those into our lives just by wanting to manifest something. What do you think about all that? Well, I like the last sentence you spoke, even, you know, what we draw into our lives, we draw into our lives as part of the pathway to where we want to go. But I'm having a little problem with some of the earlier verbal verbalizations that you use. You, okay. You've used the word lessons a, a number of times. Uh, and uh, I've been told in conversations with God that life is not a school, that we've not come <laughs> here to learn anything. It was very, It was made very clear to me. We have not come here to learn anything. God did not send us down, you know, to the planet, all the all the souls, you know, all the spiritual entities that we are. God didn't say, well, good luck. I hope you I hope you learn what you need to learn because it's gonna be a tough road if you don't. You better pay attention. You, you got a lot to learn. You know, I could I could tell you what you need to learn, but I wouldn't do that. That would make it too easy for you. <laughs> that's not the no. kind of God, that's not the kind of God we have. In fact, it's just the opposite. I believe, and I've been told, that God has placed within us all right. the information we already need, so we don't have to learn anything. You know, God, let me share with you an anecdote. In my conversations with God, God said to me, Neil, is there a tree outside your window? I said, yeah, actually, there is a big oak tree outside my window. It's about 25, 30 feet tall. It's a beautiful tree. And God said, wonderful. Tell me, Neil, what has that tree learned? since it was a seedling no bigger than your fingernail. I said, well, it hasn't learned anything. It just grew into itself. And God said, are you trying to tell me that I placed inside the tree, in that little seed, all that the tree needed to know to become that magnificent life form outside your window? Okay, yeah. I said, I said yeah, I suppose you could put it that way. To which God replied, and if I so loved the tree, would I not all the more love you? Nice. Therefore, consider the possibility that I've put all the wisdom you will ever need inside of you. You have nothing to learn. You have only to remember. And what are you trying to remember? Who you really are. You're using your physical life to re-hyphen member, that is to become a member once again of the body of God. Because who you really are is an individuation of divinity. And you've simply come into the physical realm in order to experience and to express that. Mm, that's good. Yes, yes, I understand that. So what do you say to people who say, then why do we have experiences? Why do we? Um, why do people go through such hard times? And, well, they go, well they, they, we, those are two different questions. You just asked yeah, two entirely different questions. I know I did. Sorry. Why, yes. why do we? No, don't be sorry. I just want to point out you're asking very incisive questions. Number one, why do we have experiences? And number two, yes. why do we go through such suffering? Yes. Now, now uh, a man called Siddhartha Gautama probably better known as the Buddha, yeah. made it very clear to us that suffering is not necessary. Experiences are necessary, but suffering is not. Suffering is simply the outcome, the result of a thought that we hold that what is happening should not be happening. But when we understand that what is happening is precisely what should be happening, we no longer suffer. Even if we're in pain, we don't suffer from the pain. True. We simply experience the pain in an entirely different way. If you don't believe that, just ask any woman who's given childbirth. She will tell you that she experienced pain. But believe it or not, 
with a smile on her face because she knew she was involved in the greatest blessing that life could bestow upon her, which is the giving birth to new life. Right. So when we understand that all the experiences that come to us and come through us are us giving birth to new life, we no longer suffer. Mm -hmm. We experience the moments of our life as gifts, as encounters, as opportunities to announce and declare, to express and fulfill, to demonstrate and experience true identity, who we really are as individuations of divinity. I could, of course, be wrong about all of this, but I don't think so. Good, but I don't think so. No, I don't think so. When we, so many times, uh, you and I, I mean, we know that God talks to us. We know we talk to God. And like you said, saying you've taught that God is talking to you, they they say, How dare you think you're so big you can have God talking to you? It has closed it off for so many people. When a person wants to talk to God, they first have to jump over that hurdle. But how can they open up to hearing God within them? Well, I, I do think that uh there is a little process that they could follow. It's mm -hmm. a little st six-step process that I included in the book that I've written called God Talk. Yes. It's a wonderful, sweet little book. It's not a big, thick book. It's a thin book, but it's called God Talk. And it answers the question that you just asked me. Mm -hmm. Now, it's, what's interesting about that particular book, uh, Elena, is that uh, most writers, when they have an idea for a book, they go ahead and write the book, then they try to see if there's a publisher who would like to get it, you know, into sure. print. Right, right. Maybe if they're lucky, they have a literary agent who does that work for them and shops it around, as they say in the business. Uh, but uh, that's not what happened to me in this case. My telephone rang, and I answered the phone, and it was a publisher calling me out of the blue. Really? Yes. That's nice. Very and, nice. Well, well, because it was an interesting uh, idea they had. They said, you know, Mr. Walsh, we've, of course, heard about all of your conversations with God Books, but we're wondering if you'd be willing to write a book, of, not just about more conversations, but about how people could have those kinds of conversations, about how everyone else could have the same experience, if you think they could, that you've had. And I said, well, what an interesting idea for a book. I never thought about that. Yeah, I'd be happy to write that kind of a book. So they said, you know, they said to me, could you keep it kind of short? We don't want it to be a big, thick, you know, encyclopedia. <laughs> we we want people to be able to get in and out of it, you know, in a couple of hours, just, just good reading, but something right. that, that could really help them. I said, you know, I'll do my best. So I okay. finished the book and yeah. uh, sent it to the publisher. And they did something really interesting, Elena. They they put an, uh, uh, an advertisement on the internet saying to people, to the general public, an invitation. They said, if you people, if any of you reading this now, feel, feel that you have ever experienced a divine intervention in your life, send us your experience. And they said to me, hundreds of people said, oh my gosh, yes, here's you know, the, my experience. They picked out seven or eight of the very best of those hundreds of incoming stories and put them in the book called God Talk as section two of yes. a three-section book because they wanted people, readers, to understand it's not just this guy in Oregon, Neil Donald Walsh, who's had conversations with God. It's people everywhere all over the world. And if you don't believe me, here are eight more stories from people who have had just exactly those kinds of experiences. So, this is what amazed me, these stories. Um, and, and your whole second section of these incredible stories that if you read them, you start to go back to all the little things that you, the well, big things. And people, a lot of people have awakening moments that happen to them 
moments that just shake their world that they think that are so profound that they just know that God's there and God is talking to them, right? But then they shut it down. And I think when I read these stories, what I loved is that each person was so totally changed by that interaction. I love the one where um, they're on the beach and, and she, or she or he sees, sees that profound place that she's going. And she even starts to fall and she lifts up and she, she is just overcome with this whole being of uh, a state of being that's just engrossing her. And then it's just gone but she's left with it and it changes her whole life from there on in. Yes. And many people have had that exact same experience, simply looking at the night sky. Of course. Yes. I remember lying on the, I remember lying on the back porch of my house with my darling wife next to me. We were just enjoying a late night. We said, let's go outside. It was a wonderful, warm summer night. The sky was clear as a bell. We said, let's just go outside, you know, and just lie on the, on the back porch and look at the night sky. And we did. It was kind of just a kind of romantic thing to do. It had nothing to do with romance in particular, but it was a sweet moment in our life. Yes. Now we're lying yes. there yes. looking at the night sky and my, my face is suddenly filled with tears. My yes. wife looked at me and said, well, honey, what are you crying about? I said, I'm not really crying, but I am weeping with joy. Honey, sweetheart, look up there. That's what it's part of the whole kingdom of God, which is indescribably beautiful in all of its physical and metaphysical manifestations. Yes. Let's go there together. Yes. We hold, we held each other. We hugged each other. We said we made an agreement. We'll go together. Maybe not at the same exact moment but we'll meet each other there and we'll never be apart for very long. Right. So, yeah. so many people have had those kinds of experiences where you just have an overall knowing of what is so. Then the question is, can we believe it? Or is it simply too good to be true, just too beautiful to be true? And I asked God that question. I even said to God in my exchange because of many of the things that she told me in the dialogue. And I said, you know, so much of what you say to me is just too good to be true. And he answered kind of a chuckle in his voice. I remember clearly what she said. She said, oh, Neil, sweetheart, <laughs> if God can't be too good to be true, who can? Yeah. That's right. I know it's right. Everything I say what? is right. You, you talk a little bit in the beginning of the book of your <laughs> that, I know, I know. That was a little joke. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> People are going to think that I'm serious. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a little joke. I was just headstrong going my own way there. <laughs> Shouldn't have been. But in the beginning of the book, you talk about your first awakening. Yes. And it, it really happened when you wrote Conversations with God, the very first book. Yes. And... Um, would you describe that a little bit? Because not always are we just in this blissful moment and everything is roses and sunshine. Sometimes it, I, I was like you, it, it came to me because I was done. I had, I had had enough of everything, you know, and I would like you to tell your story because I can relate to it. Well, um, I mean, I, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't sit down to write a book. No. I did, you know, I didn't sit down and say, I, I'm going to write a book, you know, called Conversations with God, and I'm going to have a conversation with God right here, right now. That's not what happened. Actually, uh, I, I had gone through uh, what might be the most challenging 10 days of my life uh, many years ago now. But what happened was, number one, I lost my relationship with my then wife. And thank goodness it wasn't a bitter, a bitter uh, moment. We, we simply came to a, a gentle, sweet agreement that we were not getting along the way we would like, and it just wasn't working. So we decided that we would part 
from in that particular form of our relationship, and that I would leave the house and find a place to live. I wasn't happy, of course. I was very, very sad about that uh, experience because sure. I didn't want to be away from her. And we had children. To, we had children together. Now I was going to have to get into visitation and all of this stuff. And I thought, well, you know, okay, whatever. But I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm out there looking for a little apartment, a little that I can rent from somebody, and I'm oh. driving down the road and trying to find. Uh, this apartment, when I get a call on my phone, and I've been told by my boss, we have to let you go. And this is five days after my relationship ends. I lose my job. Yeah. And, and, and I, I didn't, you know, he, he made it very clear. It's not because of bad performance. He said, in fact, quite to the contrary. He said, we love what you're doing. But, you know, the word came down from the corporate headquarters, we have to downsize and uh, we have to lose some overhead. And you were the last person we hired. So last in, first out. You have no seniority. So we hate to lose you, but we have to let you go. So now I've lost my relationship with my wife and my job in the same five-day period. Yeah, that's awful. Now, that's not even the beginning of it, Elena, yeah. because that was that was just the first of the triple whammy. The universe said, well, "Let's let's let's give him a triple whammy." Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to I'm going to yeah. uh, an appointment to for another job interview. I'm thinking I'm going to get this job because I got all the qualifications. There's no question they're going to hire me on the spot. Right. I never got there. Some elderly gentleman turned in front of me, made a left turn in my lane, smacked, smashed right into my car. He misjudged the distance between us. And he made a left turn in the passenger side. I mean, I'm sorry, I meant to say in the driver's side of my car. In other words, he smashed right into me. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a fender bender, Elena. It was a total wreck. I mean, it was, it was my car was totaled. And I broke my neck in the car oh accident. Oh, my gosh. They rushed me to the hospital. And, and then I saw, you know, the the written report of the examination that said it wasn't a hairline fracture of my neck. I suffered a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seventh cervical vertebrae posteriorly. I remember the words exactly. That's a break in your neck big enough to put a pencil through. That's, oh my gosh. When I awoke out of the anesthesia, which they gave me immediately because it was incredible pain, but when, sure. I, when I awoke, the doctors looked over me on the table and he said, do you realize that you've been given an incredible gift? Most people who suffer that kind of a fracture in their neck die on the spot mm -hmm. because of spinal cord complications. Right. And if they don't die on the spot, the few who don't are paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of their life. You, Mr. Walsh, have suffered neither consequence. And he looked over the, the little table that I was lying on, and he said, so what do you intend to do with the rest of your life? Because mm -hmm. I've had hundreds of patients come through here, and no one with the miracle that you've just experienced. So I thought, wow. Wow. Talk about having been given a second chance. Yes. Yes. But now, it's a couple of weeks soon. I'm finally, I healed. I'm wearing a Philadelphia collar, what they call a Philadelphia collar. It's a plastic, you know, device. Yeah, that I've holds seen your them. head up. Right. Yeah, because the, doc, the doctor said to me, hey, you know what? Think of your head like a, a, a bowling ball on the head of a pin. Yeah, you, you, true. You, you you have nothing nothing holding up your head, so you no. will you will wear this device, Mister Walsh, until we tell you to take it off, and that could take a year, which it did, in fact, in my life. It took two weeks, shy of one year. He said, "You will not take this off. I don't care if you're sleeping, taking a shower. I don't care if you're making love. Do not take this collar off of your neck for any reason whatsoever until I tell you that you're because they're waiting for my bones to fuse." So that I could right. then hold my head up again. Right. Well, here's the problem, Elena. Nobody would hire me. I was going to job interview after job interview after job interview. Of your neck? Well, 
finally, the seventh person that interviewed me said, Mr. Walsh, I got to be honest with you. Nobody's going to tell you this directly, but I might as well just come straight forward with it. Nobody's going to hire you while you're wearing that therapeutic device on your neck. Obviously, we're all clear that if you make one wrong move while you're on the job on the clock, we're going to be paying your hospital bills or your medical bills for the next 10 years. Of course. Liability. We, 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 yeah. we, can't, we can't hire you. Come back here when that thing is gone and we'll we'll put you to work in a minute. You got all the qualifications we need. So I couldn't find a job. Now the guy who owns the little garage top apartment where I'm staying says to me, Mr. Walsh, I, I can't go another month. You haven't paid the rent because I ran out of my savings. I had no income. Right, of course. He said, I got to ask you to leave. Oh. I said, you're evicting me? <laughs> he said, you know, Mr. Walsh, please, this is, this oh, is, God. we have yeah. to ask you. It's a lot. So now I wind up on the sidewalk. Yeah. I have nowhere to go. Wow. I lived on the sidewalk for the next year of my life, <laughs> sleeping on the concrete, going from person to person with my hand out. If oh, you could my. spare a coin, a dollar, perhaps a little bit of change, please, please help me. I could eat today if I got yeah. a quarter from everybody that I asked. Wow. You don't know what it's like to lose your dignity until you have no place to use the bathroom. You have to sneak yeah. into restaurants and slip into the men's room, hoping the manager won't find you. And most of them do because you look terrible. Your hair has, you, have, you, know, you haven't bathed in, in forever. You smell right. terrible. You look horrible. Right. And they spot you. You're obviously a street person. And they right. come up to you and they say, okay, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Please don't make me call the police. Just And do not, whatever you do, don't start panhandling the customers. And I said to the, I would say to the managers, please, please, I won't, I won't bother anybody. I promise I won't bother anybody. I just need to use the bathroom. Can I just use the bathroom? Would they let you? Two out of six would say, all right, in and out. You got me? In and out. I say, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. In and out. You won't even know I was here. Wow. But at least I got to use the toilet. And I would slip out of the restaurant, realizing, so my life has come to this, has it? With yeah. all I thought I knew, all the gifts I thought I was given, this is where I'm at. I have to beg somebody to use the bathroom. I have to beg somebody for a loose change out of their pocket so that I can maybe grab a bite to eat before the end of the day. I have to sleep on the sidewalk, sleep on the concrete, maybe hope I can find a piece of soft ground somewhere before the police tell me, move on, okay, okay, move on. Yeah. But I lived that way for two weeks shy of a year. Wow. That's, That's when cool. I finally found a little part-time job somewhere. Mm -hmm. Managed to get into another small apartment, the one room, one little one room place. But it, you know, there I was, at least I was out of the rain, out of the weather. Right. And at least it had a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> and yeah. I could I and I was living in that apartment and I woke up one morning. I had a little part-time job. I wound up getting a part-time job. It was a weekend work, but I was a what they called a weekend <laughs> fill-in. Filling yeah. in for the full-time employees who wanted to have the weekend off. Right. So I'm doing weekend fill-in work, but it was enough to just afford this little apartment. And I wake up one morning at 4.23 in the morning. And I'm just furious with God. What have I done? What, what, you know, am I that bad of a person? Must life be such a continuing struggle, never ending? One thing after the other? And I and I went out, you know, to the coffee table, and there was a yellow legal pad that I had. I was making lists of things I wanted to do to try to get out of the space I was in. So I turned the page on the yellow legal pad and started writing an angry letter to God. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just trying to get just trying to get my anger out. It's four twenty-five in the morning, and I'm writing on this yellow legal pad. What does it take to make life work? And I remember writing. 
tell me the rules. I'll play. Just tell me the rules of this damn game. And then I heard a voice. I would have sworn that there was somebody behind me. I turned around. There's nobody there, of course. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Now, on top of everything else, you've just lost your mind. But the voice returned and gently said, Neil, do you really want answers to your questions? Or are you just venting? And I remember thinking, you think, yeah, I'm venting. But if you've got answers, I'd sure as hell like to know what they are. Right. And the voice came back and said, you are sure as hell, Neil, about a lot of things. But wouldn't you rather be sure as heaven? Now I'm thinking, okay, what's that supposed to mean? And I'm writing it down. Suddenly I'm, I'm writing as if I'm writing to somebody who's answering me. Because I'm writing down what I'm hearing as replies. Yeah. Nice. And God gave me answers to all the questions I had asked and questions that I didn't even believe existed. And that's how I began having an on-paper dialogue with the source that I considered to be God. Because it was coming through with such wisdom and such clarity and making statements to me that I'd never read anywhere or heard anywhere from anyone. In fact, they were actually contradictory to every statement I ever heard about God or about life from anybody right. else. So I'm keeping a record of all this, page after page. I'm turning the pages over going, you know, at least I'm feeling a little bit better, you know, and the tears are coming down my face at the clarity of what I was, I want to say, receiving. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I'm told, Neil, you will make of this one day a book and it will be accessed by many people. And this is being told to me. And I said, yeah, I'm thinking, now I got you. Now I got you. <laughs> because I, I thought, you know, I, if this really is God, you know, prove it. Because nobody's going to publish a book. I mean, come on, no legitimate publisher. I could get it self-published if I had the money, but I don't have the money. But 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 no, nobody's going to publish a book by a guy who claims to be talking to God. I mean, I can imagine the the publisher rushing out to the workroom floor, saying to all the editors, you know, in the workroom, "Hey guys, stop the presses! I got a guy here who's talking to God." Yeah, right. It's not going to happen. Nobody's going to nobody's going to publish that book. But you know what? On a dare, I sent what I had placed on the yellow legal pad. I ran Xerox copies. I remember I spent the last few pennies I had getting copies of Xerox and sent them off to three or four publishers, not 20 or 30 publishers. I think it was four or five publishers in the end. I went to a bookstore to look at who was publishing, you know, so-called spiritual material. And right. I sent it to these five publishers. Elena, one of them actually called me and said, we want to publish your book. Yeah, I said, cool. you're kidding me. You're <laughs> going to publish this? They said, yeah, we, we, we think it's fascinating. We want to put it out. We want to change the title, though. We think the title is kind of a put off. People are going to be really, you know, put, put off by the title. I said, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're going to either call it Conversations with God or nothing, because that's exactly how I experienced it. And they said, oh, 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 we thought it was a work of fiction. I said, no, this is not a work of fiction. This is what happened to me in my real life. Yeah. So the yeah. publisher said, well, okay, we'll put it out as a nonfiction book. Don't know if that's going to go very far, but we like the material enough that we'll put it out as a nonfiction book, but don't count on it selling many copies because it's you know, pretty far out stuff. And I thought, you know, you're right. It's, it's, if it sells 500 copies, I'll be lucky. Yeah. And I was right. It didn't sell 500 copies. It sold 5 million. Yeah. Not bragging, just saying. That's yeah. what happened. And since you asked what happened, I thought I would tell you. Yeah. And that's how the book came to be, to answer your question. Yeah. And it was quite an experience.
Did you ever learn why you had to go through all that stuff that you went through? Did it ever come in any of the conversations with God? Yes. I didn't have to go through those things. But, you know, I'm a stubborn guy. You got to hit me over the head with a two by four. Join the club. So, so, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I, I wasn't able to, you know, access the wisdom and the clarity that's placed within all of us. I couldn't even see the truth when it was right in front of my face. Right. So so in, in my own case, I know that I was put through all of these things. These these I actually created, self-created these events right. and circumstances in order that I could wake up. Yeah. And I knew it would take something really, really dramatic, like losing my relationship, losing my job, and losing my health all within a 10-day period. Yeah. That's in order I mean. for me to wake up and go, okay, okay, I get it. Obviously, there's something I don't understand here. The I, understanding of which would change everything. Right. Right. It's a wonderful story. And I think it is something that all of us can kind of look at. I mean, not all of us have lost everything, but we've all had our moments on awakening to something bigger. And it's then it's accepting it. You know, a lot of us, me, I couldn't look back. I was, and it sounds, and you couldn't look back. But some of us do not, they hear the call of the awakening. They get it. They see it. They hear it. And then they back off. And I think it's because they don't believe that they can talk to God. They hear it. They see it, they feel it, and they count it as wonderful, but they don't have the confidence or even the conceptual idea that they can talk to God and be heard. Yeah, that's why number two on my list of uh, six suggestions, you know, six steps to having your own conversation with God. Step number one, by the way, is step number one is possibility. We have to acknowledge, we have to embrace that it's even possible for such a thing to occur, that God actually talks to human beings. But step number two gets right to your statement. It's worthiness. We might we might think to ourselves, okay, so fair enough. God talks to certain people. I mean, you know, He talks to the Pope, maybe, or the or the chief ulama, or the head rabbi, you know, whatever. Somebody who's who's you know a, a nice, wonderful human being, but doesn't talk to everybody. Doesn't talk to the man in the street. So right. step number two is worthiness. That we have to right. we have to embrace the fact that we are worthy to be spoken to by God directly. Then step number three is willingness. We have to be willing to overcome our cultural bias as a species against the idea that God would talk to us because most of the world's 4,000 religions teach us that it's blasphemy for us to declare that God is talking through us and to us. That's called apostasy. It's called heresy. And in some countries of the world, it's actually punishable by the death, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to be willing to overcome our cultural bias. Step number four is wakefulness. We have to stay awake and not miss the messages, which I did for first 50 years of my life, not miss the messages that were going right past us. Right. And step number five is acceptance. We had to allow ourselves not, when we did recognize a message, not say, ah, well, it, it's just a coincidence. Or, or it's, it's just, a, you know, it's serendipity. Or it was, a, you know, uh, my imagination, just my imagination. So yes. we write it off and instead of calling it exactly what it is. So we dismiss it rather than yeah. accepting it. And exactly. then step number six is discernment. To be able to notice the difference and be able to tell the difference between genuine communication to life, about life, through life itself, and information we're receiving from a thousand other sources. You can't even turn on your your computer these days without being assailed by all sorts of messages from all sorts of places in the universe. Can't even open your email filled with your email mailbox, filled with, you know, advertisements and messages that other people want you to see. 
So exactly. then step number six is discernment to be able to tell the difference between messages from the divine, from that part that of the divine that exists within each of us that yes. we're simply calling forward exactly. as opposed yeah. to messages that are coming to us, as I said, from a thousand different sources. So those are the six steps. Of and course, you, I described them. About, you talk about that in your book, and that's the third part, and it's fabulous. Um, but can you give people a hint how they can tell the difference? Because I know you do in your book on how they can have the discernment to know whether that is coming from the subconscious mind and things that they've heard or, and, and what, and, and when it is the true source that they're hearing the difference. Yes. Uh, if the message is coming from Neil Donald Walsh, it's coming directly from God, but if it's good to... <laughs> just kidding. I know. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to scandalize everybody. Yeah, who, no, does, no. who does he think yeah. he is? Yeah. <laughs> no, but really, I of course, naturally, I ask God the same question. How do I know it's you? How do I know? How do I know? Yeah. And God said, sweetheart, messages from, from the divine will always carry the energy of freedom, joy, and love. If there's anything that's not freedom producing, joy producing, or love generating, it's not from the divine. It's from some <laughs> some politician somewhere or some internet source, or who knows what some book you read or some movie you saw, none of which uh, is information from the divine. So I look when I'm receiving a message, does it generate freedom, joy, and love? That brings me to, you talk about it in this book, and you've also, and in the, the book before this one, um, Pure Love or Love. That, the, God, that, the God Solution. Okay, beautiful book. Now, when you were talking in that one, too, with all, yes, of course, God is love. It is pure love, and and it is what you will hear. But we haven't been raised with that, Right. And we have heard in especially the Old Testament, everyone we've heard that talked about God was bringing on war, was bringing on um, conquering or punishment or, uh, or they were being punished by God. That's even better. Why? It's not, what I'm trying to say is it's a big leap to, to have that in our brains and then to think God is only love. Not just in the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well is full of statements that we presume are true about punishment, everlasting damnation. Oh, true, true. You are right. I know. I know it's true. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so the the uh, the scriptures of most of the world's religions talk of a god, a deity, if you please, of judgment, condemnation, and punishment. I don't care whether you're talking about the Catholic faith or the Jewish faith or the, the Muslim religion or, or you know, a, a Hindu. I don't, I, most of the world's religions speak of God in those terms. If you don't yes. get it right, and if you don't belong to the right religion, by the way, while we're at it, you're going to be in big trouble. So you're <laughs> right. It's very difficult for human beings to overcome those messages which we've been... Uh, which what, is, what does the people say? Oh, he's got to have the fear of God in him. Yeah, the fear of God. Yeah, the fear of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that does not set up a very good communication of love. <laughs> no, and, 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 and so what I was told in The God Solution, which is not a dialogue book, but a first-person narrative that I produced, uh, in, uh, but I was inspired to write in that book, The God Solution, that the solution to humanity's problems, our political, our economic, our social, and our spiritual challenges, the solution is to simply change our definition of God, yeah. to simply call God pure love. Yeah. Now, yeah. when I say that in, in a lecture, uh, 
somebody in the back of the room inevitably stands up and says, oh, Mr. Walsh, come on, come on. We've been listening to you all this while for you to tell us that the big revelation is that God is love. Is that the best you can do? We already know that. Even the world's religions that disagree on dogma would agree that God is love. Come on. And I have to say to my friend in the back of the room, hey, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. That's not what I said. Yes, it is. We just heard you say it. No. What you heard me say is that God is pure love. Yeah. Now, my friend in the back of the room will say, okay, what's the difference? Yeah. The difference is that pure love needs, expects, requires, and demands nothing in return. Yeah. We can't even love the person on the pillow next to us that way. Forget about how we think God loves us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when we can, when we get to the point where we can say to our beloved other, to our life partner, if we even have one, when we get to the point where we can say to that person that we're sharing our bed with, mm -hmm. I do not need, expect, or require, and certainly don't demand. I don't even hope for anything in return for the love I feel for you. Because the love I feel for you is not an expression that I hope will come back to me. In that case, I'm simply loving me through you. Exactly. Yeah. I am loving you because of what I see across the room. If you gave me nothing, I love you because of what I see, of who you are, mm -hmm. not what I can get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what God says to us. Guys, I don't need anything from you, anything any more than you need something from your four-year-old or your two-year-old grandchild. You don't need anything from them. No, no. But you love them because of the beauty and the wonder yeah. and the purity of who they are. Then mm -hmm. I say to God, okay, that's a very sweet thing to say to me, God, but I'm not as pure as a two-year-old child. I'm full of all kinds of guilt and, and I'm not pure. God says, oh, sweetheart, if you only knew how pure you are. Mm -hmm. You simply haven't understood. You belong to a species that are still unevolved. You're still seeking to really truly understand the nature of life. And of course, you're making some of the mistakes that people who have primitive understandings would make. Mm -hmm. But you don't think that I see that? God says to me, Neil, sweetheart, I understand how you could make even the worst of your mistakes, given your primitive awareness of who you really are. And Neil, remember this always. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. Yes, it does. Wow. That's beautifully said and so true. And see, with that, we have to take a look at what we truly believe, right? I would think so. And by the way, for people who want to do that, anyone who would like to get a manuscript copy from my computer to yours of the book called The God Solution, which we've been talking about now for a couple of mm -hmm. moments, I'll send it to yeah. them. Oh, that would be wonderful. Just send me an email. Solution, it's beautiful. Just yes. send me an email saying, Neil, please send me your copy right from my computer. I can't, I'm not going to send you a hard copy. I'm not going to send out, you know, 25 books because I don't even have them, number one. No. And I'd have to get them myself. But but I would be glad to send you right from my computer to your computer, the author's manuscript of The God Solution. Just send me an yeah, email nice. to, to send it to neildonaldwalsh.com. Neil at... Neil at, at neildonaldwalsh.com. Okay. And say, and, say and, and, and there's that no, at so no cost, of course. I don't want anything in return from no cost. Just, I would like to material to be in your hands. 
And I, I, because I've read that book too, and we have an interview out with that one too. And I'll tell you folks, that book is a wide awakening on love. And, and when you read it, you think it is time for a change. And, and we are the change. So yes, take Neil up on his offer. That's a very generous offer. It's a wonderful book. I want to switch gears just a little bit, only because when I was reading your book. Which I, book? Oh, um, God, God talk. talk. Okay. God talk. You, you said one phrase that I just fell in love with because I'm a girl who loves change. I've always loved change. And, and so many people I come across all the time say, oh, I just, how can you love change? And then you said here, and I want to talk about this because there are so many people that say, oh, I can't stand change, but change is all about the spiritual journey. Change is another word for creation. I'm going to keep that. I love that. And that's a quote from your book. Could we talk about that just a little bit? Yes. Change is another word for creation. I love it. Yes. You said to talk about it a little bit, and that's a little bit. Well. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. You oh want more. Okay. You want, you, oh you want more than a little bit. Let's do some more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's do some more. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, that uh, all change is creation. The only difference between a master and a student is that the master understands that the change that has been created is a product of her own device, of her own choosing, an expression of her own powerful projection of energy into the universe. But the student thinks it's happening to him rather than through him so yeah. when we when we see that 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 change is happening through me and not to me then we immediately notice that it's a creation and and then then we wind up also moving into our next creation rather than reaction we decide we're not going to react to the change that's occurring in a way that makes us think that we are the victim of it we decide to create. And so we move from reaction to creation, which, by the way, are the same word. If you put the two words on a blackboard, you'll see that the word creation and the word reaction are the same word. Only the C and the R have gotten confused. Oh, how interesting. That as to where cool. they're supposed to go. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So when, yeah. when you put the C and the R where they're supposed to go in that word, then the word reaction changes to the word creation because you see who you really are. Yes. See, because yes. the C and the R have been changed. Yeah. get it. I get it. <laughs> no, it's very, it, you know, this, for, for the listeners out there, this does happen. Um, I came home from doing a workshop. I'm just going to give an example. Um, I came home from doing a workshop. I came back from New York and the very next day our power went out. I'm in a newer home. I just moved. So there's a lot of things to be done to the house, but I love it. But anyway, I came home and the very next day, all the power went out. When the power came back on, we didn't have a furnace. And it was right before we went through that nine degrees, 10, you know, seven degrees, awful, awful weather. Now I could have gotten so upset. <laughs> I could have gotten panicked. I could have gotten, um, I could have been very reactionary. But at this point in my own journey, I just said, okay, what are the things we need to take care of to stay warm during this? And we did it. We got the wood, we learned how to work the wood stove. We put that together for when the power came, we had radiators, we had blankets. We, the, me and the dogs, that's what I'm talking about. I have two dogs. We did wonderfully here for the conditions that we were in. You wouldn't have heard me go crazy. You wouldn't have heard me. I just did what we needed to do, called the people with the furnace and dealt with it, just dealt with it. And I grew through it. I learned how to work the wood stove. I learned how to um, keep warm 
you know, when, when things are not good. I learned that I just love this house and it was worth it. I think what we what we don't always understand that things when they happen it's how we deal with it that we grow through it of course that's true yeah well but we tend to want to scream and yell but when you get an understanding that life is not happening to you but for you then you can look at it as a way to grow correct absolutely correct in my estimation i've written a book called when everything changes change everything and the book suggests ways that we can change the way we deal with change yeah it's a powerful powerful book which i I offer free for the reading uh on the internet i've I've put the entire book on the internet i Uh, haven't read that one i might look on that yes i'll look if people send me an email saying where can i read that book i will send them the link that takes them to the book. When everything changes, change everything. It's a powerful, powerful book. And it invites us to change our idea about change itself. To say nothing about how we change our idea about how to deal with change. And the book makes an astonishing statement. The book says, all change is change for the better. That's an unequivocal statement. It's not yeah. once in a while, every so often, but all change is change for the better. And the book explains how we can experience that as our everlasting truth. Yeah. So I invite people as well who want to get uh, get free access to that book to send me a request, and I'll send them the link that opens up to where that book is available. I put it on the internet for anybody to read. I like that. Yeah, that's that would be very nice because people do have an issue with change, and justly to, so, I guess. All right, to the put one it mildly. Thing, yeah. yeah, to put it mildly, and we are going through so much change now in our world. I think a lot of people are very stressed by all of it, and we have more anxiety than we have ever had. It's truly an epidemic. We have, you know, and I can see. And we're also being fed it by alarmists and newscasters. And we've got quite a little plight of division going on. And with that, people have to, how how would you say right now? I mean, yes, you have things like my power going out, little crises that happen in your own life, or sometimes big crises. But when you're dealing with it on a level where you feel you, you, are overcome with it. How do you deal with that? How do you find yourself back with communing with God and not getting whammed right in with everybody else into the madness that's going on right now? Well, I choose not to ignore what's happening and not to pretend that it's not happening, but I simply step into what's happening and then I say, okay, fair enough. This is what is occurring. It's clearly and obviously part of humanity's evolutionary process. And I'm going to embrace it as that, as a part of our evolution, as a group, as a species called humanity. And then I'm going to see if there's any kind of small thing, who knows what it might be, that I could do, that I could say or be, that could add to the solution. Nice. And, and when I begin to looking at that, sometimes just a smile to a yes. stranger in a coffee shop. Yes. Or maybe a post on the internet or some small gesture that I can offer the world can be what I can contribute to create a shift in the energy that is producing the crises that we are talking about. Because that energy shift can occur. I mean, I was told in conversation with God, Neil, shift happens. Yes, it does. It... <laughs> shift does happen. <laughs> I think it is an amazing book. Now, when is um, God Talk going to be out on the marketplace. It's it's available now. You can get it. Oh, at, it is. You can get oh, it. At, at, you can get it at most any online bookstore. 
uh, and uh, you can, uh, I, I would think, uh, acquire it virtually anywhere that books are sold, especially online bookstores. Right. There, okay. There is one thing I do want to talk about before you leave, if you have the time. And it is your book, God Talk, okay? And it's one story, and it was from Tiffany. Tiffany's story, and of course, I don't know if you remember, so I'm going to talk a little bit. But the, the comment was how God will communicate with us in a way that we can accept and understand. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I've experienced that. I, I, I've experienced that in so many ways. I know uh, where my attention lies. That's when God will speak. People who I know don't have any inkling to speak that way will suddenly open their mouths and this wonderful thing will come out that will help me to understand something better. I've seen this happen, but a lot of us don't understand. And they, they, so when it happens, they don't believe it. It's not that they don't believe it's pure love and everything. It's just that how can it be coming from the radio or how can it be coming from that person over there? Or how, so can we talk a little bit about this? Well, of course, God, God will use any device. And there are a, a thousand devices across a million moments in a person's lifetime. So it could be, in fact, the lyrics to the next song you hear on the radio. Yeah. Or it could yeah. be the chance utterance of a couple at the next table in the coffee shop. Or it could be the, the words on a billboard as you drive down the highway and you turn the corner. And there are the words on the billboard that, that speak directly to what you've been thinking about and worrying about. So yeah. yes, there, there there is not one way that these messages come to us. But the important thing is not to, as I said earlier, not to call it oh, just a silly coincidence or just a happenstance or you know a bit of serendipity, but to see it for what it really is. If the message that you're receiving from life causes you to feel freedom, joy, and love, you can be assured that it's come to you from the highest source of wisdom in the universe, which is the source within you that has called it forth in your reality. Yes. I like that. And know that. And accept but that's what I that's what I deal with when I see, you know, all that's going on in the world. Okay, if there was something that I could be, do, or have in my own life, in my own journey. What would that look like? What could I be, do, or have? What could I express? You know, when I said to God, what is, it that, what is it that I don't really understand about life and how it all works? She said, Neil, your life is not about you. It's about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. And when you understand that, you will understand a universal larger truth that in that global sense your life is about you for one astonishing reason there's only one of us in the room <laughs> yes i love that one of us in the room so folks whenever whenever you think you are hearing a message, accept it, because it is for you. And it does come from everything. It comes, like Neil says, you are the one projecting it. You, It is from deep inside you, that spirit inside you that brings it forth. And it's time for us to wake up to this. The world would be a most beautiful place if we understood that we are in direct communication and we can be in direct communication all the time, which we totally are. Wouldn't that change the world? And understanding that that beautiful connection is from pure love. And when we understand who we really are, that we are not this, I'm not my body, no. and I'm We're not, not my body. mind. No. That I am a spiritual entity having a body and having a mind, but I've come here as a spiritual entity with a particular agenda, and that's explained in the book, The God Solution, as well as in the book, God Talk. Yes. So thank yes. you for the opportunity to share these moments with you. I've enjoyed every single minute of it.
so am I, so am I. And I just, like I said, I really did love this book and I love the stories and I love how you segmented it. Guys, for everyone out there, I don't really highly recommend books, but I do highly recommend this one. I really do like the way it's set up. I think there's so many cool things that you can get out of this, just like I did with change being creation. Little things that just go, oh, yeah. And that's that's important. So if you can, yeah, I would I would suggest you get this book and read it. It'll open your eyes a little bit. It's a good, good, good book. Thank you, Neil, so much for being on. And can you give them your email address one more time? Number one for um, your offer, but also if they just wanna talk to you, you are a wealth of wisdom and uh, they may want to reach out to you. I don't think I'm a wealth of wisdom. I think I'm a, a foolhardy person who imagines himself to know a few things, but I think I've been <laughs> given a wealth of wisdom in the conversations with God books and all I did was take dictation. Right. So I don't want anyone to think that I imagine that I'm a wise person, but did I take good dictation and have I shared it with others? Yes, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go that far. And, and anyone can reach me at cwgconnect.com. Say that one more time. One more time. That one more time. No. When you said say you said say that one more I time. I did. I did. Now I just want <laughs> The email one more time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Well, my email address is neil at neildonaldwalsh.com. Okay. And, and but the, the website that they can go to if they want to pick up more information about the whole conversation with God Encounter is C CWG, which of course stands for Conversations with God, cwgconnect.com. Perfect. Either one of those places will put you in touch with me. I'm at the uh, cwgconnect.com website every day, and but I'll be I'll be glad to send you a free copy uh, of the God Solution if you send me an email to neil at neildonaldwalsh.com. But you got to spell my name correctly because if the name is misspelled, you know how the internet is one letter out of place; it won't go to where you want it to go. So my name is spelled. Well, you'll see it. You'll see it properly on Elena's website. On the podcast, we'll have you listed. Yeah. And you're all over the internet too. Well, thank you again. And for all of you out there, this was a very special mystical muse. And if you could share it out to people who, hey, who are trying to converse with God or are conversing with God and don't understand, or just want to learn more or on the spiritual path and would like a little bit of something to urge them forward. This is a wonderful podcast to send forward. And also, if you would like and subscribe, I would love that very much because we have a lot of wonderful interviews to come. And I'm even having a little time where I talk about some experiences on the spiritual path and things that I've grown into and just concepts, key concepts that can help you on your way. So we've got a lot of things going on. Again, thank you so much. May you be well. May you rejoice. May you find peace and happiness. Namaste, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let everything you take away from this conversation strengthen the inner compass that will lead you to a life of greater meaning. For more episodes that will take you deeper into yourself and bring you closer to the gifts of your soul, visit elenachapman.com. Learn to manage today's society full of meaningless distractions unchecked chaos, and deep societal divide with the help of your mystical muse, Elena. That's it for now. 